So, uh, welcome to another episode of the Meet Your Species podcast. My name is Heath, and uh, I'll be kind of here again once more. <laughs> Today we have the Dr. Bianca Oldershaw, right? Nice there. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Um, and so uh, I've known you for, I guess it's been almost a year now um, mm -hmm. since I got back to the U.S. And we just, I had all these like <laughs> issues and you've been helping me so much with the gyro stuff. So I'm really excited because uh, those of you who don't know, if you go into a car office, you, you just, you kind of come in and do the adjustment and leave. So there's really not so much time, even though we have so much fun every time we're talking, but it's just limited. So this is a really exciting opportunity to just get to know you on a, you know, deeper level. And, um, yeah, so let's just kind of dive into it a little bit. Cool. So, um, uh, in these podcasts, I, I what I've generally been doing is just kind of getting to know people for context. So mm -hmm. kind of like how in a, a movie or something, you, you always have those people that you, you introduce to a new character and then, oh, who is this person? It's, you just don't know them. And sometimes they're kind of weird or they're just whatever, but then you get to know them and you're just like, oh, I love this person. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so um, for that context, uh, tell me, where did you come from? Where were you born? Okay. so. I was born in Pennsylvania, northeastern Pennsylvania, oh, so cool, cool, cool. Scranton area. Ah, the, yeah, the good old Joe Biden area. <laughs> you, oh yeah, you know it. <laughs> Very popular topic now, mm. but um, yeah, I'm from Pennsylvania and grew up in a small family. I was youngest girl and two older brothers, and Ooh, that sounds fun. It, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. I mean, we had a blast growing up. We were all involved in lots of sports. My dad coached us all, really. So we learned a lot. That's fun. I had uh, two older sisters when I was growing oh, up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so similar, but like the flip. <laughs> exactly. I always wanted a brother. It wasn't. <laughs> you take mine. <laughs> I'm kidding. You can't have them. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so uh, how would you describe if someone doesn't know what it's like to be in uh, the north of like the US, that kind of Midwest area. What's it like growing up in that kind of small town? Yeah, so um, looking back, you know, it's tough. We were on a very small level. We were very disinvolved with family and close friends. Mm. So growing up, it was just all about kind of like growth and succeeding. Mm. So as kids, my dad taught us at a very young age, you know, you gotta be good at baseball. You have to be good at soccer. You have to be good at volleyball. You have to be good things. at dance. Yeah, you have to do all the things. And um, he taught us a lot through sports, really. So mm. that was a really big growth potential there. But besides that, I mean, it was just hanging out with friends that lived a few blocks away and just visiting family from time to time. Mm. I can't say there was a lot of development throughout that time. It was a small town, just family and friends, really. But then you would have a lot of time with your family. So yeah, what were your um, your parents and like the whole family dynamic? Like, how did that kind of help shape you? Okay, yeah. So it's funny because my parents were like complete opposites. So um, I don't know how to even describe it, but I've learned so much from the both of them. So my mom was just very just super sweet and health centered and she went to school to be a health and phys ed teacher and mm. my dad always had his own business and he's a painting contractor so it's just you know gotta get it done and just really knew how to push us forward so i remember growing up and i had this sweet side of my mother always saying oh honey you know manners 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 and my dad being the opposite too just saying hey um you know, you screwed up here, you got to fix it. You got to move mm. forward. So it was a lot of tough love from my father, which was fantastic moving forward. And my mom was a nice balance because she was more so like, I'm always going to love you. I'm always going to be here for you too. So it was yeah. great having both of them. So yeah. they were huge role models. I didn't realize it at the time. So if he's a contractor, so he's like self-employed basically, right? Yes. I can see how that would definitely impact because like, you're it there's no you can't pass the buck anywhere yeah. <laughs> you get the job done. yeah so uh how did that were, were there any because you said he 
had you do a lot of sports, right? Yes. Oh, a ton. Yeah. I so loved it. lots of physical activity, be outside and like, how, how would you, like, did you, were you into it when you were a kid or was it kind of like you're, you're doing this whether you want to? <laughs> yeah, no, I actually loved it. Hmm. I loved it. And I think it was because I saw my brothers go through it too. Uh, so of course I was the youngest. So I had two older brothers and I saw how excited my family would get going to their baseball games and their football games. And so I was like, yeah, I want to be a part of that. Like <laughs> I want to do that too. And it made my parents really happy and proud and excited. So it's like, yeah, I want to do that as well. So, um, I will say in the beginning, my dad wanted me to more so follow the path of like basketball and I guess you can say boy sports, but yeah. my mom was the opposite. She's like, no, you're going to dance. You're going to be a cheerleader. You're going to do all the girl <laughs> things because I was the only girl. And she was so happy to have She's one like, girl. <laughs> yeah, she did. She's like, finally, finally, no, <laughs> your dad's not going to take away, <laughs> away from me. So, um, at first, yes, my dad's like, you're going to play basketball. So I did basketball, but okay, maybe fine. Um, but I loved it. Like I loved following that path because it taught me so much about, again, moving forward and hard work. Mm -hmm. I remember my coach was very tough. He mm -hmm. was, he was just cutthroat and just, you know, you didn't make that shot. You do like 10 sprints. What? We're just oh. girls, you know? But I, can I, I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you know, it was tough, but it taught me a lot about you know, um, development and failure at the same time. Mm -hmm. So I really respect that looking back. And in the moment it was tough, but for myself moving forward now, it's great. Um, so yeah. Any, uh, what was your favorite sport when you were? Volleyball. Volleyball. Okay. Volleyball is my absolute favorite. I did that in high school mm -hmm. and I kind of just fell into it. A lot of friends wanted to play and I said, Hey, why not? Let's, let's try it. That's what it was about. Like didn't have any interest in it why not and it just came naturally and it was fun and we had a great team mm. so that also developed my work ethic because of course if you're great at something you're going to continue to keep getting better at it mm. and so we had a great team uh, we were all on the same page and we were winning so it was great we wanted to get we want to get to the top in a way because, you know, if you're on a team and you're losing all the time, it's like it's not fun anymore. It's I do that. Yeah, <laughs> demoralizing. But it taught me a lot about success and failure, too. Same mm -hmm. thing. Um, we would get to the championship and we would we would lose sometimes and we would all cry at the end of the game. And it would be terrible because we put our blood, sweat and tears into that. And we we're just like we couldn't have given any more. But, you know, next day we woke up and we just practiced more and our coach was like, you know, you guys, you guys kind of sucked, but <laughs> yeah, you did your best, but um, they were a really good team and we know what we need to work on. Mm. So that was cool. Kind of seeing that process. Mm. Uh, if anyone who's listening has uh, never really played sports growing up, mm -hmm. what would be mm, like the most unexpected uh lessons or moments or something like that that you gained from any of the sports you played unexpected lessons i would say just overall the sports will always teach you the value of hard work mm -hmm. in that a lot of people think that you know you're born a certain way and you're born good at something and that's not true mm -hmm. there's so many people that are highly successful multimillionaires that weren't given all this money or given all the success they work from the bottom all the way up. And mm -hmm. I think sports, it's the same way. It's like uh, Michael Jordan, for instance, he started out and what I think he didn't make the team and think in high school where he almost got cut. So he's like, you know, screw that. I'm gonna keep working and I'm gonna be the best. And he always had in competition with his brother. Mm -hmm. So it's just success is always about challenging yourself. And that's very important, no matter what your goal is in life, whether it's family, your job, um, significant others, it's just, it's always constant work and you can't expect to just everything be perfect and be great at things. Mm. Yeah. I, I remember listening to somebody who interviewed a bunch of, I think it was Tim Ferriss. Do you know who it is? I don't. Who's that? Tim Ferriss is awesome. He's, um, his whole thing is optimization. And mm -hmm. so he's been an angel investor in Facebook and uh, a bunch of other 
Evernote at least. One of a bunch of these like tech startups he was an angel investor in, but he also wrote a book called The Four Hour Workweek. And then mm, the four yes, hour I've show. heard of that. Yeah, yeah. So this guy, he has a podcast, uh, the Tim Ferriss show. It's super popular. But um he interviewed some people that were talking about uh, Olympic athletes and just mm. like trying to he tries to discern like what's the like what makes them successful. Mm. And one of the things they said was almost all of them had this one thing in common that they were, they were never like the best growing up. There were always mm -hmm. people that were way more talented. They just kind of stopped putting in that effort. And True. so that, that's what made them get all the way. That is very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so in your, let's see, when did you go to college after you're 18 or so around that age? Yeah. So I went to college in Strasbourg university. Mm. Um, I just, I just wanted to go somewhere. And honestly, my main priority was go somewhere cheap. <laughs> I mean, honestly, yeah. So I was like, well, I know I want to go to chiropractic school and just got to find somewhere cheap, reasonable. That's still going to give me a good experience too. And one of my best friends went there. So I was like, why not? Let's do this program together and have a commonality. Mm. So before you got to college, up until that point, what was the some like defining moment that you had like of growth before that point like before mm -hmm. you went to college, in high school or maybe elementary school or at some point um you know it's tough to find like one particular moment defining moment you mean defining moment for my life or for my just whatever was like an important so for example um when I was in high school, I had a, a coach named Dr. Uh, Mr. Kendrick, who was also a mm. math teacher. And I was not about math at that time. Yeah. <laughs> but he made it so fun because he would do like impressions of uh, like Chris Farley and stuff in the class. And he would play games <laughs> to like reward us with candy. And like, he was just very like that. And so that made math so much more fun. I, I loved algebra. Because yeah. That. So that was like, for me, one of those like really pivotal moments. And I was like, oh, how you teach is everything. And yeah. Like, that makes the class. And it just taught me about interacting with other people as I got older and look back at it. Yeah. You know, it's tough to pinpoint an exact moment. I think I have a collection of small moments that kind of led up to, I guess, chiropractic school where mm -hmm. I ended up being because I didn't know I wanted to be a chiropractor for a very long time. I think I just knew at a very young age um, through guidance of my dad and my, my mom just, um, my mom being really health focused mm. and picking up her care for others and wanting the progression for them and my dad's business focus and just realizing how, you know, you got to keep working. You, you can't stop. If you stop, then you're not going to get to where you need to be and you can't just depend on hope to get you there. Mm -hmm. So I think it was both of them. And I do remember just like as a kid, honestly, I was playing, um, probably like playing with my Barbies and just saying, you know, I want something more. I don't know what it is. And that was even a defining moment. It's just like, I knew in this moment, I was like seven years old. I want to move somewhere. I want to do something larger than this town or than my family too. And there's another moment in high school, for instance, um, which brought me back to helping people that I just remember seeing certain people in the hallway and you know, them being like upset or broken down and just like they needed somebody to reach out to them and help them. And I knew that moment, like, I want to help people. I don't know how to do it exactly. I don't know how I want to help them, if I want to talk to them or what form that looks like, but like it made me happy, like to comfort people. So I would say the last defining moment was in high school when I was in my biology class and we would, we were studying anatomy and physiology. I remember going over the skeleton. Yeah. But it was like the last thing we went over in that year. So we had finals. It's like, oh, we're going to rush through the anatomy and physiology and learn all this stuff. And you guys are going to get examination on it. We're like, wait, what? Like, <laughs> I remember telling my mom, I was like, mom, like, this is so interesting. I'm learning like the skeleton and all the bones. But like, why are they teaching us at the end of the year? I feel like I have no time to learn. And she was like, oh, no, B, you know, that's just the way it works. And I was like, well, that's not right. Like, I feel like we should know more about the human body. So yeah. that was also a big interest for me. That was a pivotal moment. I realized I love biology. I love helping people. So what do I want to do from here? Mm. So looking back at, uh, I, I noticed because I, I traveled um, a few different states when I was going through school. So I noticed like, mm -hmm. oh, it's different. It's not like they're all the same. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, what would you say was your 
favorite part of school and and maybe or uh the thing that you wish would have been a little bit different that would have like mm -hmm. really helped you when you were in school interesting because in undergrad um way different story than chiropractic school so in undergrad it was very cutthroat i remember one of my organic chemistry teachers saying if you didn't get like um let's say like an 80 percent of this exam then you should quit school drop out right now and go work at mcdonald's get and i remember <laughs> yeah yeah i literally just like get out of my class leave and i remember sitting there just like looking around like what like that was hard like that was <laughs> yeah. intense the chemistry and like we're still kind of kids we're still learning and it's a tough class but i remember thinking wow like i don't like that mindset and I was just very turned off by it. So that definitely shifted things for me. And so I could think in that instance in undergrad, it was a good thing. It was kind of like, you know, get your stuff together, come back because you need to succeed. But what I didn't like about it was that there was no support system there. So I wish an mm -hmm. undergrad in a biology program, there'd be a little bit more support system, of course. What, what kind of support would be nice? Interesting question. I guess just a little bit more compassion for for people in the field and kids growing up and getting to learn the mm. subjects. But you know, it's interesting because it's like on one hand, let's have some compassion for these kids. But on the other hand, you can't have too much compassion for them because they have to learn that it's going to be hard. Life is going to be hard. It's not going to be easy work to pass this class. Life isn't going to be easy to get by too. Mm. So I think it was just uh, more of the compassion and support like, Hey, I'm going to help you through if you get to this point, like I'm on your side. Uh, yeah. Are there like um, any, what do you say? Like like a teacher who, it could even not be someone who is an actual teacher, but someone who you learned from uh, at that age range who like had a really big impact on just how you looked at things. Yes, yeah, so it wasn't until I visited Life University. This was a few years after the fact. And I remember they had these leadership doctors that were just there in the kindness of their hearts just to speak to pursuing doctors that were trying to get into Life University to go through mm -hmm. the chiropractic program. And I remember just sitting in a round table discussion. We were all just sitting around and there was a doctor and his wife and he had his own practice. I believe it was pretty successful. And um, I remember sitting there just like with a lot of doubt, just like from the background I was from and being in that environment in the undergrad, just like, you're not, you know, if you don't get this, you can't succeed. But it was really cool because I talked to him about it. I said, well, you know, like after school, like I can't open up my own business. Like I'm not prepared for that. And he's like, why? <laughs> and I was like, because. <laughs> obviously yeah. <laughs> I was like because I can't like not gonna be able to do that and I was like naming all these things like oh finances I won't be ready for I'm not you know I'm not prepared um scared fear everything and he's just like you know I did it mm -hmm. why are you gonna do it he's like you can do anything you want to do and you know he's very slow to speak and he was very intentional about what he said. And I was just sitting there like, hmm, mm -hmm. very interesting. And I was like, I don't buy it. But it was it was great because he showed that support and that nurture and that pathway to something that was always not available too much. It was always just like, you know, you can't do that. You can't do this. You can't do that. You have mm -hmm. to go through the process. And he's just like, there's no reason why you can't do that. You just got to prepare yourself for it. So that was really cool. And that's what like really turned me on to Life University because everybody was very supportive and nurturing. Mm. So, huh. so then that aspect helped like believe that it was possible. Mm -hmm. But what would you say, did you get any lesson out of the, the undergrad side of it being like, so do this or get out of class kind of thing? Oh, of course. And I was very used to that lifestyle too. I mean, you know, that that was just kind of like a reutterance of what we grew up with in high school and undergrad, just very, just, you got to stick to your regimen. No one's going to help you through it. if You mm. can't get through it yourself. I think that's very important to know. What about uh, peers in undergrad or, or um, Life University? Honestly, you know, I was kind of just on my own. I had very good 
friends and best friends, but um, my lifestyle was more so I worked, I worked part time and I went to school uh, full time. So I didn't really have a lot of time outside of school. Where did you work? I, I worked at um, a serving job, so it was really fun. It uh, was a bar and grill, but we had a blast there. Oh, I'm sure Shrav would love to talk to you. Oh, uh, yeah. Shrav's, in case you don't know, Shrav's my wife. She's the one doing all the school. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> but uh, India, like where she grew up, the, the social culture is such where like, it's kind of looked down upon to have a serving job if you're in a certain social status. Mm. So it's not like not encouraged to go do that. But mm -hmm. she's like, but I want to. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> now, it was a blast. I mean, this place had sushi, it had a grill. So we had like three different areas you can dine in. So like, again, another example of like hard work, like I would bust my butt when mm -hmm. I wasn't studying, I would be up and down the stairs with food trays. I'd be outside in the patio and then I would be to the bar, same thing. Like, but it was fun because I had a good, a group, I had a great group of peers with me. So mm -hmm. we made it enjoyable and we helped each other out. What was your favorite moment of working there? Ooh, I don't know. That's a good question. Um, the only thing that comes to mind really is when we would have Christmas parties because we actually can all enjoy ourselves and uh, not be um, helping sorry. out everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> but we had fun every day. Honestly, I can't say there was a bad day there. Mm. I love that place. I have such great memories there. Did it, uh, is there any like lesson you took away from just working there? Yeah, so I think that was like my second serving job and just um, biggest lesson is just make sure you're just attentive and connecting with people and treat them like you'd want to be treated yourself too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I worked at a Cuban restaurant for a while, actually as a bartender, but because it was very, it's a small restaurant, so yeah. it's mostly also a server. And uh, the thing that I took away from it was, was so much attention to detail. Yes. And it really helps like kind of sharpen your focus, I found. Yeah. Because otherwise then my manager was just yelling at me. Her manager would be like, <laughs> Pete, what are you doing? <laughs> Cuban. <laughs> it's so small too because he can yell all the way across the thing so there's only like one guest in the whole oh place in the time be like oi what are you that's dangerous yeah but he didn't say oi because he wasn't from britain from Miami. <laughs> i'm really bad about adding accents for no reason so just throwing it out there and i hope i don't offend anybody no no offense anybody. we're just giving up <laughs> Um, so, uh, what was the moment when you decided you wanted to be a chiropractor or was there a moment? Oh, um, I think there was a day, I think I decided I was, yeah, I want to do this. Hmm. And, um, so I was first very involved with physical therapy. So I said, like, oh, you, you want to be a physical therapist if you like hmm. biology and you want to help people. So I went to go visit a physical therapist and I was very bored. I was bored out of my mind because oh. I was getting the physical therapy. I was like, I can't do this every day. And I was like, no, can't do it. So I spoke to a really close friend. Uh, we went to high school together and she goes, hey, I go see a chiropractor. She's awesome. Why don't you just go talk to her and shadow her? Like, okay, awesome. Love it. Mm -hmm. Let's do it. So I set up an appointment and I just watched her adjust and I do remember the moment I was just standing, you know, trying to be a fly on the wall. And she said, hey, how come you ever been adjusted before? I said, no, that's why I'm here. Like, I just want to see what it's all about. Like, I don't really know what's going on. And she said, well, it's just interesting because you're standing and your right hips up like this and your shoulders down like this and your head's tilted to the side. She's Is this just right? Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, she's like, I think you should get adjusted. Well, sure. If you want to adjust me, great. So she adjusted me and she explained a little bit more about it. And I was just like, oh, wow. Like, how did, how could she just tell that from me standing there? My posture was like, I just stand like this, you know, like stand with my hip out. That's normal. Like every, every girl does that, you know? Yeah. One knee bent, one knee leg, hip to the side. Yeah. Yep. And I just thought how peculiar, um, who would have known? And 
And then I just talked to her a little bit more and I found out how many different areas of chiropractic care you can go into. So I always knew that I wanted to have my own business one day and I wanted to be my own boss. So that was very large for me too. And then the fact that I could do chiropractic care the way I wanted to mm-hmm. and not really follow a particular protocol was amazing. It's like I can focus on athletes. I can focus on pregnant patients. I can focus on babies. I can focus on neurology. It just, the it's, it's limitless. You can just go on and on and on and on. And I can focus on everybody at the same time. So that was, I think, the defining moment just when she educated me more about chiropractic care. And I do remember as well um, rushing into her office, just feeling like I was getting sick. I was like, I'm getting sick and I'm going to go get some medication because I have all these exams to take and I'm going on vacation. So I don't want to be sick. She goes, uh, calm down, calm down. Mm-hmm. Like you're way too stressed out. I'm going to get you adjusted. And if you don't feel one well a few days, sure. Go to your doctor's office. Do we need to do? Get antibiotics and go from there. And so I was like, okay, fine. So she adjusted me and I totally forgot I wasn't feeling well. Oh. Two weeks later. And I was on vacation. I was like, whoa, whoa. Um, I feel great. Hold up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel great. Um, crazy. It's like maybe I was so stressed out. I got myself sick. And just by getting adjusted, it really helped relax my body, relax my spine, and got my immune system working better. Mm. So that was awesome. And so I backpedaled a lot from there. I just thought about a lot of things growing up. Mm, interesting. So would you say uh, because the job shadowing like gave you exposure to things you wouldn't otherwise have, that was probably one of the pivotal things? Yes, absolutely. And the fact that I grew up and I had a lot of digestive problems and I remember being in and out of the doctor's office and, you know, that was kind of normal for me and my parents normalized it too. They said, hey, you know, listen, I know your brothers didn't go through this, but this is just how it is. And that answer will never be good enough for me. This is just how it is for you. I know no one else struggles with that, but like, this is what you need to deal with. And I thought to myself, well, that's not fair. (laughs) Why do I have digestive issues? <laughs> and the medical doctors just give me medicine and my brothers don't. Like there has to be something more. It has to be something I'm missing. Mm-hmm. So um, that was really cool too. So it was always like in search of something that was going to help me and then to help other people realize that too, too, like through health and what we can do by doing things the natural way. Mm. Interesting. So uh, went through chiropractic school. Is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in chiropractic school, um, besides the guy in the beginning that was helping you kind of navigate everything and helping you realize you could do a business if you wanted, mm-hmm. were there any other um, teachers or, or peers along the way that like really impactful? Oh man, everybody, everybody around me, everybody around me was just so amazing. And I think I was meant to be there the moment I was. Um, a lot of things lined up for it. So I was supposed to go to chiropractic school in the summer. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to jump in there in the spring. And I could have landed with a better group of like mentors that were my colleagues at the same time. So everybody were just from all different walks of life. They had all different goals. Um, they were either set up for a business, like from the get-go, once they walked into chiropractic school. Some were still trying to navigate their way. And some were just like, I'm not sure what I'm going to do yet. Like, we'll just see. So I would say absolutely every single one of my friends were huge Mm -hmm. impact on me and i would say my biggest mentor was my teachers and my chiropractor her name was dr olson and she just specialized on extremity adjustments so that was really great because i struggled with a lot of knee problems when i was in chiropractic school and i loved to run so i couldn't run for a long time and that was scary Mm -hmm. so i went to go see her went to go see about three to four other chiropractors couldn't help me and she got me going. She's like, I never want you to stop doing what you love to do. There's no reason why you can't keep running. So mm. just make sure you're keeping up on your adjustments and you'll be able to run. And she's right. So that was amazing because if I couldn't run, I'd be like heartbroken. That mm. was my outlet from studying. So how would you describe her as a person? Oh, she's great. She's like, I, I mentioned supportive a lot. Very supportive, very open. Just, hey, whatever you need, just let me know. And just um one-on-one basis great connection just like a friend almost and um she's also from new jersey so she wasn't far from where i grew up 
which is really cool. Mm. Um, just, just always willing to help people out and just on your level, I would say it's the biggest thing. It's just incredibly intelligent, a self learner too. Most of, most of her background was yes, of course, through school, through extensive learning, but through what she did on her own to study, which was the best part about her. Everybody couldn't touch what she did as a chiropractor and she held mm. it by herself. So interesting. What would you say sets um, people like her apart? Because in any field, like I, I think about this all the time, no matter what, like people look up to a doctor or a lawyer or these like jobs that like, especially, mm -hmm. for example, in India, um, I noticed there's like a doctor, engineer or something else. <laughs> uh -huh. IT maybe those are like the top ones. And then that's what every parent is like pushing them to do. Yeah. And so in those fields, I, I always think it's interesting because like whether you're at the top of your class or like the very last before you flunked out, like mm -hmm. you still get a degree. Right. And so after that, you're just a doctor, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a big uh, scale in between there, right? What do you feel makes somebody really good, not in terms of necessarily marks or grades, but in terms mm -hmm. of quality of uh, not just a doctor, but just like as a professional, what, what makes, what are those characteristics that you've noticed? Hard work at the bottom of it. You can't go upwards unless you're willing to work very hard and be willing to fail countless times and passion. You have to somewhat love what you're doing moving forward. I think most people would agree and then drive for it. You have to have a drive and direction to what you're going towards. Have you noticed any themes of like what Mm, I say like the things that make a person like all the people who mm -hmm. are fit that bill what are the common themes that you noticed of them like as people not just those characteristics but like the things that happen that help develop that um trying to think of a particular person in general but if I think about the grand scheme of people um like Steve Jobs I mean I watched the documentary on Steve Jobs and he failed pretty significantly. He actually got kicked out of Apple. Mm -hmm. So he didn't stop. He was just kind of ruthless and he just knew he was passionate about his idea and he knew that it was going to work. He had a lot of confidence. So I think confidence is a huge factor. A lot of people leave out. So I feel like the confidence won't be there unless you're very driven and passionate about what you're doing moving forward. And is there anything which uh, you can point to that maybe things that could be improved within the field? The chiropractic field? Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. Just like any other field. I mean, everybody practices differently. So just quality care when it comes to patients, just putting your patient first and really not worrying about yourself and the business. It's about patients coming in. And that's why we went to chiropractic school. I mean, that's the biggest thing. And I think a lot of businesses get that twisted. It's more about success, making money or seeing a lot of people rather than, Hey, let's help this person. Hmm. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so then, uh, okay. I going to go ahead and assume you graduated. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> so now you graduated and, uh, what next, where did you start? What'd you, what'd you do after that? Yeah, what did you do after that? Um, I have threw it up. Yeah, I threw it up, and I have always been somebody that always wanted to take in all their opportunities, and I had a lot of interests during and after school. It took me a long time to kind of pinpoint those things, but I think it always came back to, hey, I want to own my own business too. So that's very important, and we don't learn a lot about that in school. We learn about helping people and the biology and science behind chiropractic. Mm -hmm. So that was a big drive for me. So I was looking for somewhere that I can work, but not only to help people, but so I can really help build myself up and learn a lot when it came to running that business like that. Mm -hmm. So that was important. So I wanted to make sure it was somewhere that I was really pushing myself. Mm -hmm. And that's what landed me the job that I found after chiropractic school. And it was a ton of struggle, of course, you know, you're new out of school and you're trying to figure out how to speak with people. 
because you live in this chiropractic bubble at yeah. a school and then it's just you know kind of translating that to people so they understand that they're comfortable with it and they realize we want to help them ultimately so biggest uh hurdle or struggle you had you overcame and how did you overcome it after school mm -hmm. like this whole transitional period right because no matter what job you have once you get out of school and you have to like figure it yes. out yes yes that's a really good question so i think being that I'm in a practice that's not my own business too. I have to abide by certain regulations. So I have to follow a protocol. That's not necessarily my protocol. So adaptations to that protocol and still giving everybody the treatment I would love to give them. Mm -hmm. Kind of like where I can spread myself and how to do that and doing that on a daily basis when there's a lot of people coming in. So I think that's the biggest obstacle in making sure that I know everybody who comes in there feels loved, feels like they got a great adjustment that day and feels like we care about them mm. moving forward because it's a fast-paced environment so that on a daily basis is very difficult to manage too yeah especially when you only get such little time with each person exactly so it's that connection it's it's the connection it's the protocols i have to follow and it's time and repetition every single day and just being on top of that so you know, it's just kind of like any job when you're not having the best day, you still show up and you just change it, move on, figure it out. And that's what's great about it. It's, mm. I have that repetition every day. So I constantly have to challenge myself. And sometimes I'll get stuck in uh, a pattern of mine and just say, whoa, like, get out of it, snap out of it. You got to move on to the next person too. Mm. Was there any, um, like, it's one thing when you're in school, like, we notice this as yoga teachers, like it's mm -hmm. one thing to teach a class in school and then it's a different one when you get out and it's just like, you don't have that support system of the school itself anymore. Mm -hmm. Was there a transition like that for you? Uh, there was, I mean, every day I miss my chiropractic family, just, um, just the good times we've had. Um, and it's great balancing ideas off of people moving forward. I would say, yeah, sometimes absolutely, but I still have that network of people. So, they have any questions or concerns we're always chatting with each other and that's what makes it great too interesting what about um uh, obviously you don't want to talk about patients but just generally is there anything that like patterns you noticed that were a little shocking to you uh, like mm -hmm. everyone's especially if they're coming to you they obviously have problems right so mm -hmm. What are those kind of patterns that kept coming up that you're like wow i did not think this was as big of a thing as it is there's, you know, there's so, there's so many things that happen every single day to pinpoint talking about a very good outcome, very bad outcome or both. Whatever you. Oh man. Well, you know, I think it goes back to the sentiment. Um, most chiropractors know this, you have to know when to adjust and when not to adjust. So many times patients will come in and they will say, Hey, you know, this really hurts. And I learned this through shattering a chiropractor growing up before I was in chiropractic school. And the patient kept saying to him, hey doc, like this hurts right here. My right side, it's killing me. Just please adjust the side. And he's like, hey, I'm not doing it. It's, you know, it's your left side, your neck. And he's like, come on doc, just like adjust it. He's like, all right. So he adjusts it and the patient, you know, it really irritated him. He was in a lot of pain. And my chiropractor just looked at me, he's like, that's why you don't listen to patients. So it's that very fine line of realizing what you know and trusting your gut. I think that's the biggest thing. And I think that's the biggest thing in every single profession, whether you're a medical doctor, anything, a lawyer, it's like trusting your gut and letting that guide you because you went to school for this amount of time, you've gained a lot and you know what you know. Other people don't know what you know. So you have to know when to proceed and when to stop. I think that's like the biggest defining moment because every day things change and they shift and you just have to adapt constantly. Mm. Um, and so that job you started, is that the same one you have now or is it a different one? That's a different one. So that practice, actually, I wasn't even in chiropractic school. I was just shadowing him. I was just working with him before I even started chiropractic school, just to mm. learn how he dealt with patients. Mm. And he was awesome. He's back in Pennsylvania. Okay. And so, uh, where are you now? I'm in Georgia. So I'm in Peachtree at Peachtree Corners. Oh, well, okay. Let's go back. How did you uh, get to here? <laughs> like, how did how'd you get, get to, to Georgia? Here? 
Oh, yeah. So um, good question. I always had my heart set on either going to chiropractic school in Florida or New York because I knew people that went to those schools. Mm. And very funny story. So I was an undergrad and um, I happened to wake up one morning, rush into class, and I slipped down my stairs. So I hit every stair all the way down. So that totally messed up my low back. Yeah. And I hit the floor (laughs) at the bottom. I landed in the kitchen. I was like, oh man, I hit my head. It's like crap like even i was like i was like i need to like i need to go see a chiropractor i don't know anybody in this area I'm like, what am i gonna do so like i was in pain for a few days a week and i was like googling where do i go so it's actually a chiropractor right around the corner from my university and i was like okay i'm gonna go in there cool let's just let's get this taken care of and so I told them, like, yeah, I want to go to school to be a chiropractor. I know where I want to go. And they're like, oh, you're going to go to Life University in Atlanta. I was like, no, <laughs> no, not going there. I've never been to Atlanta, mind you. Oh. So I had this big impression of what Atlanta would be. I'm so, just curious. What did you think it would be? What's, what's the <laughs> frequency rate? I don't know. I guess I thought it wouldn't be a very clean area. I didn't know what the demographic would look like, too. I was concerned because for some reason where I grew up, we always thought it was very dangerous. So I was like, mm. I don't want to go somewhere that's dangerous and I have to worry about um, crime everywhere. So that's what I was concerned about. And um, just, I guess, the not knowing. Mm. So you said no, no way to that. I, and... I said no way. And they kept pushing me. Like every time I came in to get adjusted, I was like, I'm not going to like university <laughs> in Atlanta. They're like, well, why not? So we'll give you a free trip to go there. It's called Life Leadership Weekend. Hmm. So we're doctors that sponsor that. You can go, you get your flight and your stay paid for. And basically you just listen to speakers and um, yeah, you get reimbursed for all that and then you can go home. So I was like, hmm, okay, free trip. I like trips. I can wear bulletproof vest. Yeah, <laughs> I'll wear a bulletproof vest the whole time. Um, it was great. So I was like, yeah, sure. I'm going to do it. So I wasn't always keeping my family in the loop at that time. And I, I didn't at all. So I remember being like, gosh, I'm working so hard. I was like, my bank account's not looking good, very slim. And I had to make the payment to go on the flight. And I remember telling my dad, I was like, Hey dad, um, uh, uh, I can pay you back in like two weeks, but I need to book this trip and I need like $250 to go to Atlanta. And he's like, wait, what, where are you going? What are you talking about? I was like, I'm just going, I'm going with my friend, Emily. Cause she's been there before. I was really sassy about it. <laughs> and he's like, you should, you have to imagine him. Like, I wish you can, you can see him. He's just like, uh, no, you're not. You're not going to Atlanta, Georgia by yourself. I was like, no, Emily's coming with me. She's been there. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going. And so um, he's like, okay, you know, I'll give you the money. And then a few days later, my friend Emily backed out. She's like, I can't go. Whoop. I don't know. Why. I can't remember why. And she's like, I can't go. I'm so sorry. Like, I was really excited. I was like, Em, what are you doing to me? And so I was like, it's okay. I got I my was, doctors. I was sassy and everything. Yeah. <laughs> I was very independent. So I was kind of like, nope, I'm doing it. And I was like, well, I still got my doctors. My doctors are going to go with me to Life Leadership Weekend. So no big deal. I know somebody. And then they back out. I was like, what? What do you mean you're not going? You forced me to do this, basically. <laughs> and I have nobody to go with. And they're just like, well, I can't, you know, I can't arrange it, but it's going to be fine. Everybody's so cool down there. You'll be great. Mm. So I tell my dad, I was like, hey, so I'm just going by myself now. And (laughs) (laughs) he's like, no, you're canceling the trip and I'm going down with you in the summertime. You're not going to Atlanta, Georgia by yourself. I was like, no, I'm going. And that's that. Like, I'm going, I'm not canceling. I have my heart center. I'm doing it. And so he eventually listened to me. He let me go. Out of not being able to stop you? (laughs) Exactly. He would have a good fight. (laughs) (laughs) And he listened. (laughs) And he listened. Yes, I was very direct with it. But then I went there and I met that doctor and I fell in love with it. So it was just, this is it. Mm. And um, I took some time to think it over. But I think I always knew in my gut and my heart, like, this is where I need to go. So what was the big... um 
Like now you, you had this idea of Atlanta, but then you came, what was the big surprise? Like, oh, it's actually this way. Yeah. So the biggest surprise was just everybody's, I guess, Southern hospitality. Everybody's mm. great since I got here. It was a very easy transition. The doctor I met was incredible. Um, just wanted to help people out genuinely. It wasn't mm. to, hey, come to the school. It's like, I want to help you. Like, what questions do you have? How can I help you guide your life basically in a good direction? And there was a really, yeah, <laughs> to life. <laughs> and it was really great too. And this was definitely meant to be, I was from Pennsylvania and I met this, this girl, she's a mentor, Life University was going to school and her boyfriend, she was from Pennsylvania. So I was like, awesome. Oh. I connect with her. And so she's like, Hey, like, let me take you out to Atlanta. Like, let's go tonight and grab your friends and I'll show you like the restaurants, bars and all that. I was like, okay, great. So that was really cool because I had a lot of commonalities with her. So again, it was just finding somebody that was like kind of on my level to somebody that I can kind of mesh with. That's cool. So I think that was a really cool moment too. And she, yeah. Cool. So you came to Atlanta, right? Mm -hmm. You're in Life University, did the whole school. Oh, well, we already covered that. Yeah. And then uh, went out, got your first job. And then what after that? Still have my first job. Never left. Oh, it's still at Phoenix. Yes, okay. still at Phoenix. Um, I did a lot of interning before then. So while I was in chiropractic school, I was shadowing a ton of doctors along the way because we have so many in Georgia. So it was a good learning experience. Uh, any interesting experiences or revelations or anything during that shadowing time? Because you would have been exposed to so many different people that probably do things very differently. Yes. Hmm. You don't have to name names if you don't. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, no big revelation, just kind of understanding how they did things differently and trying to figure out, is that what I want? That um, I think was the biggest takeaway. Mm -hmm. Um, so you're at, uh, Phoenix now. Do you want to just talk about why you, just a little bit like why you chose that? like that specific yeah practice. yeah it was great because um i liked the opportunity a lot because i knew that i can see a lot of patients i knew i would be challenged on a lot of different levels when it came to really going over x-rays and communicating with patients and we see so many patients on a daily basis so that's great i mean mm. there's just there's no better place to really learn and develop and just start from scratch and it was a great community too. I really liked the area and the mm. people involved. Cool. Cool. Um, all right. So now we're caught up to the present. So now I get to look at the future. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Fun. So, um, future wise, this could go different ways. It's just kind of however you, cause it's the future. It could be anything. Mm -hmm. So, um, a lot of people can have talked, spoken about like different problems they've noticed just in the world around them and like what they feel like is not really getting the attention it needs to in terms of the society around us. Mm -hmm. uh, or it could also just be like, if you paint a picture of what you would like to see in the future going forward. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it would be more just self-motivation for each individual to just do their research, learn more on their own time and maybe not listen to so much around them, not listen to social media, the media itself. And of course my focus because I'm a chiropractor is always going to be health. Mm. And there's a lot of information out there that's not accurate. And it's unfortunate because it means that people's health is really at stake. So it's really tough for me knowing what I know and watching people go down a path and they go down this path because they trust certain individuals to get them that way. And it's not even necessarily those individuals fault. It's the standard of care. So I think the biggest issue for me is just, we can't rely on the government. It's not the government's fault. It's a lot of people outside of them to really do their homework. You know, what's going to make them as healthy as possible? Because if you don't have your health, you can enjoy life. There's no alternative. That is it. There's no way you can flip that upside down. Say if I have a house or if I have the best car or if I have the best family, I 
can do whatever I want. Mm. What if you have these diseases that are just going to keep, keep progressing? What are you going to do? You can't just keep going down the same path. So yeah, overall, I would say people just really need to focus on educating themselves and really diving into alternatives to help themselves out. Mm. Um, So health and uh, self-education on like what things are instead of just maybe reading an article on Facebook or something. Right, right. Um, In terms of uh, self-education, do you feel it would be helpful to have more of this uh, discussed in school? Like in in what ways? Yeah. If that's the case, so what what ways do you feel would be most helpful in terms of um, what could be taught and, and what age do you think would be most helpful? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, it's a great question because I always think back to one instance. I did a driver's ed course in mm. high school. And I think all the time, I learned so much from that. Why can't we all do that? Because you see all these accidents around people dying. And why are people so careless? Why can't we all be on that level and learn that in every high school? Why can't everybody have that mandatory class so we can save lives? create less injuries and less problems people in the future when it comes to their health. So um, at what age, I would say it's most impactful in high school because Mm -hmm. we're still developing and um, we're thinking about our future. We're thinking about where we want to go to college. So we're, we're getting there too. I think later stages in high school, I think that would be great for people. And, um, what the class would even look like to be honest with you i haven't like thought about that personally but just something that's going to motivate kids to be self-starters and not rely on always having a direction from other people like to have your own vision and what you want yeah i think that's what it is i think Mm -hmm. maybe in 11th grade just being hey who are you what do you want and how are you going to get there without relying on other people like scenario that is a scenario figure it out like solve the puzzle create the story and go from there rather than just really relying on everyone else to help you get there i think that's gonna be the most powerful thing because if it's not gonna allow them to actually get there it's allow them to think wow what would i do what would i actually do if it was just me interesting yeah that's a really great uh way to go about it i when I teach people about social media, a lot of times, it's just a totally random other thing I do. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times I just focus on, right, where do you actually want to go? And a lot mm-hmm. of people actually haven't thought about it. They have no idea. They really don't know. And if you ask them, like, even if the best advice you give in the world, like, if they haven't thought about it, they just can't know. Right. So it's kind of hard, especially, I would imagine, for a lot of people who are in um, difficult situations growing up and they don't have the bandwidth or the time to even get that. And there wasn't um, someone in their life to help right. make them think a little bit about it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, on the same note, too, I was thinking a lot about this. If kids can have a mentor, like a mandatory mentor, I don't know how we would involve that with school, but you know, people that have success, they're happy individuals that can really guide these kids along the way. But mm-hmm. repetitiously, maybe just not one semester maybe not one year, but maybe all four years and getting different mentors and just feeding them all this information. Like, Hey, this is my business. Hey, this is my business. Hey, this is what I do. Hey, I'm a stay at home mom. This is what's going to make you successful. Mm. I think that would be really cool. Interesting. I thought a bit about this in terms of school, like the way we've structured things, you're only dealing with this single bandwidth for the most part of people in your grade. And we don't mm-hmm. really encourage people to talk to older or younger uh, children in school. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like this is creating a, a bit of a disconnect from, like, for example, right now, if you look at, like, the way your life was versus someone maybe five years older or younger, mm-hmm. it's it's so different. Right. Like, it's almost unrecognizable. Uh, so how do you even relate to them if you never even spoke to them growing up? Yeah. If you never had people in I don't know. It's just uh, one thing about mentorship. I've I read this somewhere, and I I thought this makes so much sense to have an even balance of people who are about ten years down the road from where you want to go, 
which mm -hmm. helps if you have a vision, right? <laughs> <laughs> but someone who's about 10 years down the road, that's already like kind of forged that path and people that are behind you quite a bit. Yes. That way you get that balance of like teaching and learning and doesn't, yeah, something like that. I think that's great. That's a great idea. Mm. Um, so is there anything on a, like a fun note in just the community around you? Like, what would you like just to be there? In the community around me. Yeah. Like what would Ooh. make, what would make, what would make it just more fun, more enjoyable, especially right now in 2020, things are a little tense. That's tough. That's, this is a sticky question. <laughs> um, it doesn't have to be crazy. Like there was one community that, um, they wanted a roundabout in a mm -hmm. traffic thing and the city didn't have the funds for it. So they had a block party and then they just painted one. Oh God. <laughs> but it worked and they put like a little, You've probably seen those little things, a little mini library for mm -hmm. people. There's just a little book exchange and someone every morning would put out like a, a thing of coffee or hot water for dinner oh, or something. Cool. So just created that little connection in the community. So simple things. Yeah. So I think now that you mention it during 2020, um, I just remember looking back, hearing people on social media say how traumatic it was at the airports. Just people were just very upset with others that don't have their face masks, masks on, etc. And I think it'd be really cool if there was this maybe a station set up in multiple cities across Atlanta, um, everybody ha will wear their face masks, not necessarily socially distance. I know that sounds crazy, but to actually touch one another and feel like it's okay because I think our society is so scared of being close to people now. There's no physical touch. There's no handshaking. I get an elbow or I get a fist and there's no hugging. And I think that's a huge part of social and environmental development in people. And it is at a very young age. So I think that's taking away a lot of security and comfort for people. So what if people just wear face masks and just for instance, and they, we have sanitizing stations and we have hand wash stations and we just line up and we slap each other's hands like just our physical touch like yeah you know we survived and we can wash our hands after just be like we're connecting with other people mm -hmm. i don't think we should lose that connection with others so finding some safe way to connect with yeah physically human people <laughs> physically absolutely we have to be able to do that that's just there's so many studies done on just the comfort in that and a lot of people aren't touched on the back or touched in the hand and that can really minimize a lot of things like confidence and just success moving forward mm -hmm. so i think we're lacking on a lot of that right now and we're putting up a lot of walls around us because of fear and that's very 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 unfortunate because we don't have to live in fear yeah it's very sad one of the um most impactful things that uh, I was given as like advice from somebody was that people don't really want you to be nice. They want to feel included. Mm -hmm. And so like, if you think about like, uh, a lot of people are like, wait, 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 but yeah, I want you to be nice. It's like, <laughs> no, that's fine. You can be kind, but right. uh, niceness is kind of, a lot of people are nice, but they're not really kind because they're a lot of times if you need to tell somebody you love somebody and they need to hear something, you can say something, you know, it might hurt their feelings, but it needs to be said. Mm -hmm. And that's actually from a place of love. Yes. And so, um, and that that's actually being inclusive more than just. I, I agree. Um, yeah. So, but when I hear like the, the people that you've described along the way, Mm -hmm. uh, who've had the biggest impact it's often because they included you they treated you as like an equal that yeah they're helping that uh i don't know it's very interesting yeah yeah and i think that needs to be spread more <clears throat> well everybody we meet really mm -hmm. everyone because again i think that goes back to high school when i saw people kind of feeling i think that's what it was they weren't included and i just like I just felt for them. It's like, mm, I want to help you. Like, I want you to be part of something too, because, um, there's just a lot of people, people struggle with a lot of fears and insecurities with jobs. And I mean, I see so many people throughout the day and I think that's what it goes back to, to a common trend is just like, 
God, I'm stressed and gosh, I have so much work to do. And oh my gosh, like, I don't know how I'm going to get through it. And it takes a toll on them. And I just think these people don't hear anything positive throughout the day from work. They don't, there's no way, or they wouldn't come in like this. And so if our environment can be the one positive outcome, that's huge. That's just like helping them in so many different ways. And can you imagine going through an entire day and just being told that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. Get it done, get it done, get it done, get it done. You're not meeting your quota. That's America. Yeah. You know, we're in stress mode and that takes a big toll on your health. So yeah, including people, making them feel welcome from a really genuine space. Just like, hey, I want to help you. Um, I want to brighten your day somehow. So it trickles into the rest of your work day or your family. Yeah, mm. that's huge. Totally. So let's finish on a few like fun rapid fire questions. Oh gosh, okay. <laughs> so Shrav, if you can think of some good ones, uh, just pitch them into. Do I have to say them like immediately? Yeah, first thing that comes to your head. Oh, okay, first thing. Else, this is gonna be tough. Okay. So, all right, keep it easy to begin with. Like favorite ice cream. Chocolate chip mint turkey hill. What is it? Yes. Chocolate chip mint turkey. Hill. The brand is turkey hill. It's from Pennsylvania. Oh, okay. I was like yeah. turkey bot. <laughs> <laughs> That's easy. All right. Uh, favorite thing to do for just like physical exercise. Running. Running. Um, favorite game. Candyland. Candyland, really? Candyland, childhood favorite. Ooh, so right. many memes. Classics. Yeah. <laughs> favorite uh, moment when you were a small child. Oh, wow. Hard. Well, okay. Uh, okay. Any age under eighteen. Okay. Just like any fun moment that pops your Family vacation at the beach. Ooh, which beach? Cape May, New Jersey. Oh, I've never been there. It's beautiful. Victorian houses everywhere. Fantastic. Favorite moment in uh, undergrad? Hmm. Studying with my best friend. What's your best friend's name? Kelsey. Kelsey. Tell mm. me about Kelsey. Kelsey's cool. She majored in biology. We went to grade school together and high school, and then we went to undergrad together. Mm. Still very close. And I'll be in her wedding next fall. Ooh. Yeah. Exciting. Yeah. Congratulations, Kelsey. <laughs> <laughs> Um, favorite moment in life university? Oh, so hard. That is so incredibly hard. Okay, just I don't even know. Moment. First good moment that pops in your head. You know, I think the first thing was studying with, with all my colleagues, just studying and having a blast. Mm. Um, okay. What about just after you graduated, before you got your first job? I was going to say graduation. Oh, graduation. Yeah, okay. graduation popped in my head second. Just graduation, the unknown. So just because it was unknown, that was the thing that was exciting. Yeah, I was still deciding where I wanted to go, what I wanted to do. And I was like, where am I going to do? <laughs> <laughs> where am I going to go? I shouldn't know. <laughs> um, what was the moment when you felt like, huh, I guess I'm an adult now? Ooh. Like for some people, it's like when they working. get to the Oh, working. Okay. Working. But I wouldn't say it was the first year working. I would say uh, maybe two and a half years into working. Like like after graduating? After graduating. Yeah, gotcha. absolutely. And um thing you were most looking forward to? Mm -hmm. A family and kids. Yeah. Oh, you want a family. Okay. Yeah. Very well. You have any ideas? Any movies you watch over and over to cry? Over and over to cry. Okay. In case you couldn't hear because the microphone's over here, she's saying favorite movies you watch over and over to cry. I haven't done that in a while. The only thing that comes to mind is The Notebook. Oh, you like The Notebook? Hey, come on. Everybody loves The Notebook, right? <laughs> <laughs> we got to watch it. <laughs> um, so favorite movie? Oh. Whatever yeah. pops in your head. I don't have one. Um, Currently, at this moment. I'm going to go back to the basics when I was a kid. I'm going to go back in the day to The Little Mermaid. Okay. Ariel. Disney. Bring it I'm, on. I'm doing Disney. <laughs> <laughs> uh, best friend when you were in, like, living back with your parents when you were little? Gabby. Gabby Catuso. All right. What, what, tell me about Gabby. Gabby's awesome. We were just always on the same page. Um, super fun story. We ended up in high school together, same homeroom, first day of high school. She walks in super late, and the homeroom teacher could not pronounce her name. 
kept calling her Gabriel <laughs> as a boy. And like, Gabriel, Gabriel could do that. And she's like, it's Gabrielle. And so I was actually sitting in the middle of the classroom at one point, but I had this big projector on my desk. So I was like, I can't see anything. Like, and I was like, this sucks. Like, this is my first day. Why is this happening? And I couldn't talk to anybody. I couldn't see anybody. And she's like, you, you go move all the way at the end. I was like, no, why am I going all the way at the end? There's nobody on my left-hand side. Like literally nobody's in front of me. Like I was so angry. And then she walks in last minute, Gabrielle. It's Gabrielle. So like you, you sit in front of her and she's just like in front of me. She turns around <laughs> to me and it's almost like one of those little kids that have bows in their hair, you know, like a little girl's bow in her hair, little girl's bow in her hair. And the one turns around to them and says, I like your bow. You want to be best friends? Like uh, that's how I imagine it. She's just like, Hi. Hi, Gabby. What's your name? Like, I'm Bianca. She's like, it's stakes. I was like, it's okay, because we're going to be best friends. So it was awesome. And that's that. That's that. <laughs> best friends, just like that. <laughs> um, anything else, Shav? Okay. <laughs> so let's end on... If you had one wish that you could make, what would that be? You got a genie. Will Smith in Aladdin, he's come to you. You got one, one wish left. Uh... One wish. Be. How do I make this singular and not include a million different things in this wish is the question. Can't um, wishes. Um, I would say a very healthy and happy lifetime for my family. Okay. Fantastic. You did it. Yay. Uh, Done. <laughs> go team. Yay. Right. So, um, yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs>